Good morning, Kent Cove. My name is Pastor Corey. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Kent Cove. We are glad that you are with us this morning. Um, we're going to be looking this morning at a text from Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26 and go through verse 31. Genesis reads, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Please join me in prayer. Bless us this day, O Lord, with vision. May this place be a sacred place, a telling space, where heaven and earth meet. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series called The Practices. And this morning I want to talk to you about, uh, we're going to talk about the practice of wearing skin. And what this means is we're going to talk about what it means to be human, what it means to have a body. And it strikes me that we are in this season where we have experienced in a very unique way the, the connection that our physicality has to not only our emotional health, but our spiritual health and um, just the sense of being with one another, right? We all recognize that we've come out of this season where we've been separated and we're now kind of coming to the end of that or we're hoping for the end of that where we'll be able to see each other face to face again, where we'll be able to greet our friends with hugs and um, have a little bit more physical touch and all those kinds of things. I remember reading last uh, summer an article about um, how hard it was for us to, and exhausting it was for us to connect on Zoom. We are so thankful for technology that allows us to connect in this season, right? But this whole article was about how we are, as humans, embodied people. And that when we're trying to be in a meeting or whatever with one another or connect with one another, our bodies pick up signals when we're together, right? That you can't pick up in a screen. And so this article was talking about the exhaustion that we felt from doing these Zoom meetings where we're trying to connect with people, but our bodies can't because we're not in physical proximity to one another. So there's this connection 
that we have that we took for granted prior to this pandemic, where we didn't really quite maybe understand or uh, give gratitude for that, the physicality of our bodies. Tarina talked with the kids this morning about fasting and how that shows uh, how that physicality of our bodies helps us when we deny certain things to connect with God. And we do that because our bodies give us um, signals and uh, give us um, ways to connect to God that we wouldn't if we take them for granted. Now, I want to recognize that when we talk about bodies in church, we have some issues here. So we're going to do a little theology this morning, if you don't mind, because I think we have some work to do to understand what it means to have a body and to be human and to do this in a way that is holistic and helpful and honoring to God. Now, you'll notice that we read this text from Genesis, this creation text, where God has created humankind, and He creates them, and what is it that He says at, at the end of this creating, when He's now created kind of humankind, the pinnacle of creation, and He says, it is very good. Now, one of the biggest challenges I would suggest to you that we have when we start to do a theology of our bodies and we start to think about what it means to have bodies is that generally speaking, we in the Western church in particular do theology post-Genesis 3 and we kind of ignore Genesis 1 and 2 in a way, right? So we want to talk about bodies and we go right to original sin and we forget all about the fact that before original sin, God said that when He created us, male and female, that it wasn't just good, it was very good. I remember that was one of the first phrases when I took Hebrew in seminary that just sticks with me all these years later. Tov ma'ov. Very good. Not just a little good, not kind of good, but you've got to watch out for it, but very good. Our physical bodies are very good. And the challenge that we have is that we look back and we start our theology in Genesis 3 where sin has entered the picture and brokenness and shame and all these different pieces, right? And we lose the very goodness of what it means to be human, not a soul divorced from a body, not a body but not a soul, but both together, mankind, humans made in the image of God. And so we, when we start our theology in Genesis 3, we lose sight of that. And then out of that, we build all kinds of really um, unfortunate theologies and beliefs about our bodies and other people's bodies. Now, what happens, though, if we start in Genesis 1, we recognize that God has made us in His image as humans, and it was very good. And sin entered the picture, and there is brokenness and shame and all these different things. But then what happens? Let's jump to the Gospel of John. One of the ways I'd love, one of the translations of John that I especially love is Eugene Peterson's translation in the message from John 1, when 
when he talks about the Word made flesh, when he translates that language, he talks about how Jesus took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Right? So, here's the thing. When Jesus does that, when Jesus becomes incarnate and He takes on flesh, He's beginning to reclaim the image of God that has been cracked by sin. Right? And then if you go forward and you read in John the resurrection account, most of us miss something really important in the resurrection account. And it's easy to do because we get focused on that whole rising from the dead thing, which is a pretty big deal, right? But it's super important, I think, and John does this where he's, what he's doing and the way he's telling the story of Jesus is that he recapitulates the story of creation because you'll notice where that new day begins in John. It begins in a garden. Sound familiar? It begins in a garden, and it is that day when Jesus rises from the grave. It is the first day of the new creation. And now all things are beginning to be made new. So when we are in Christ, we are no longer uh, held bound by that sin, that original sin that we like to talk about, but we are made new in Christ. Paul, when he talks about what it means to follow Christ, he says that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. And the words that's used there, I always understood as a kid that that just meant that I was a new creation. But when you read the text, it doesn't say that I was a new creation. He says that there is a new creation. The whole creation begins to be made new in the resurrection of Jesus. And so when we talk about a theology of the body, we have to recognize that oftentimes we import things into what it means to be human and how we are human and having bodies and, and all the physicality that that represents, that we import a bunch of shame and brokenness from our theology of sin instead of starting in one, recognizing sin, and then claiming the new life that we have in Jesus. And so as we think about what it means to be in a body, we recognize that in our culture and in our way of thinking, we are in general both obsessed with and completely uncomfortable with our sheer physicality, right? Especially in the church. We start talking about bodies and, and everything that that entails and people start to get a little fidgety. Right? I mean, this is uncomfortable because it has to do not just with, uh, with the physicality of our bodies, but the gender of our bodies and our sexuality and all those things that come with it, right? That's all part of it. It's all part of the goodness of being made in the image of God. But it makes us uncomfortable in part because we have this broken, messed up theology that comes from staying in Genesis 3 and not moving forward into the new creation that Christ has started with his resurrection. So part of the practice of wearing skin is to then learn to recognize and give, and give thanks for the image of God in every body we see. 
This is, friends, the beginning of the love of neighbor. And I would suggest that perhaps part of the problems that we have in our culture with the differences that we erect between one another, whether it be social class or gender or sexuality or color or whatever it might be, come from a broken understanding of what it means to be created in the image of God. And this is what it means to be created in the image of God. If you are human and you draw breath, you bear the image of God and therefore you are our neighbor. No exceptions, no judgments, no I get to you know, delineate and say how much of the image. No, you bear the image of God and you carry inherent value because you are a child of God. We don't get to construct uh, walls and barriers of who we get to understand carries the image of God and who doesn't. That is the beginning of the love of neighbor. And partly, that's what got Jesus into so much trouble, you understand, is that Jesus looked at all these barriers that the religious leaders of his day had constructed between those who were acceptable and those who were not, and he blew them up. Or maybe he didn't blow them up. Maybe he just completely ignored them. I don't know. But he had table fellowship with those people that were not acceptable, right? Because of perhaps their bodies, because of perhaps their color, because of perhaps their behavior, whatever it might be. Jesus recognized the image of God in each and every one. So perhaps one of the things that we recognize is that we begin to practice, instead of judging, practice gratitude and empathy as we view our neighbors around us, right? Because we all probably have some bad habits about, and thoughts that we have about people, regardless, you know, and for varying reasons. For some, it might be a struggle with um, you know, that they were raised in a, in a very racist family, and so they have these thoughts that when they see other people of different colors that come into their head and they have to deconstruct that, right? For some, it's just how people dress or the way they carry themselves or the things they like or don't like, whatever it is. So instead of judging, we begin to practice gratitude and empathy and recognizing that this person, whether we understand them or not, whether we approve of them or not, whether or not we have any capacity to love them, we recognize that they are made in the image of God. And that and that alone means that we love them because Jesus commanded that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That is the beginning of what it means to be human and to have a body. Now, I want to say, and this may seem like a bit of a left turn, but one of the challenges I think we have in the church with physicality and embodiedness is that um, we tend to, especially uh, for women, we tend to sexualize all bodies, right? So I want to say very carefully, men, young men, old men, 
middle-aged men, listen very carefully. Women are not responsible for our thoughts about their bodies. Women are not responsible for our thoughts about their bodies. We are, full stop. Now, we can have conversation about this, but if you look at the Beatitudes, when Jesus says that if you look at another person or a woman with lust, you've already committed lust in your hearts, you'll notice he does not give any exceptions. He doesn't say that, well, depending on how they're behaving, depending on what they're wearing, depending on bup, 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 he just says, if you look with lust, you've committed, you've committed adultery in your heart. He doesn't give us an out. So, men, we are responsible for our thoughts. And we could go a whole lot of different directions with that, but that is super important in our culture. We need to honor our sisters as uh, image bearers of God. We don't get to decide how that works. We simply get to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, one of the moving forward, one of the things that we recognize, and this is another place where we get a little wonky in our theology, or at least how it gets worked out, is that we talk about our faith, and we talk about the gospel, and we talk about following Jesus as this, um, you know, that, that ultimately we do so because we want to go to heaven when we die. I always like to describe salvation and going to heaven as we die as the gravy on the mashed potatoes, not the mashed potatoes, right? The mashed potatoes are what happens now. We are in the kingdom of God now. Jesus didn't come to give us an abundant life one day. He came to give us an abundant life today. And so uh, we believe, if you'll remember, those of you who are raised in church and know the Apostles' Creed, which we recite frequently when we have communion, it doesn't say that we believe we'll go to heaven one day when we die, right? It says we believe in the resurrection of the body. The body. We believe that one day when Christ returns that all will rise again and have a body like Jesus had when he was resurrected. Now, to be fair, we don't understand that. I don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it looks like. Anybody who tells you they understand what Jesus' post-resurrection body looked, you know, was like or how it worked is making stuff up because they don't, right? It's a pretty singular event. But we say that we believe in the resurrection of the body. We've uttered this confession of faith for centuries in the church. In other words, our bodies are with us for the long haul, right? And so we need to learn what it means to wear skin. So the first step in wearing skin is to learn gratitude for the wonder of our human bodies. The implications of our humanness, including our physical bodies, are, are huge, and they have massive implications for how we love our neighbors as ourselves. As you can see, if you start thinking about this, it's very easy to see that, you know, the implications of understanding that every human being who walks the earth with created in the image of God changes everything. And unfortunately, I think we've lost sight of that. 
We, we come up with all kinds of caveats and exceptions and, reason, and places where there are limitations, but the reality is that none of that is biblical. The only thing that's biblical is that humans are made in the image of God and we are called to love one another and to love our neighbors. So I wanted to give some practices for us as we think about just at, the, at its most basic level what it means to wear skin, what it means to have a body. Some of these are, these are all fairly basic, but I think good reminders as we seek to live into the wholeness and to practice what it means to have faith. The first practice I'm going to give you is this. Give thanks for your body. Have gratitude for your body, no matter what its current condition or challenges are. I recognize this is difficult, right, for people of all ages. Whether we're uh, a young person just kind of experiencing that, the changes in our body and how we used to look like a kid and now we don't anymore, or whether we're, you know, middle-aged and, and stuff's starting to head a different direction, or whether we're older and stuff's already there in a different direction, right? We have to learn that gratitude of our bodies, no matter what its current conditions or challenges are. Barbara Brown Taylor, who's a, a wonderful author, says this in her book, Alter in the World, about appreciating your body. She writes, whether you are sick or well, lovely or irregular, there comes a time when it is vitally important for your spiritual health to drop your clothes, look in the mirror, and say, here I am. This is the body like no other that my life has shaped. I live here. This is my soul's address. After you have taken a good look around, you may decide that there is a lot to be thankful for, all things considered. Bodies take real beatings. That they heal from most things is an underrated miracle. That they give birth is beyond reckoning. When I do this, I generally decide that it is time to do a better job of wearing my skin with gratitude instead of loathing. No matter what I think of my body, I can still offer it to God to go on being useful to the world in ways both sublime and ridiculous. At the very least, I can practice a little reverence right there in front of the mirror, taking some small credit for standing there unguarded for once. This is no small thing in a culture so confused about the body that most Americans cannot separate the physical from the sexual. Friends, our bodies are gifts from God. No matter what condition they currently find themselves in, no matter what challenges we have faced, no matter what challenges we are facing, we must live with gratitude for them, which is no small order, especially with the pressures that our culture places on us and the ways that we should look. So the first practice in wearing skin is giving thanks for your body. The second practice I want to encourage you to do is to care for your body. One of the things you'll pick up as we move through this series is that actually as we talk about the practices and we talk about live, a living faith, we're going to talk about stewardship a lot, different kinds of stewardship. 
And I would say that this second one, caring for your body, is stewardship of the body. Our bodies are gifts from God, and therefore we should care well for them, which means give it real, healthy food. Move it as much or in whatever way you can. Now, I recognize that for some, you have, you know, with particular health challenges or um, other health issues, that moving your body is a challenge in and of itself. But talk to your doctor. Find out, find a way to move your body. Feed it well. Care for it. Recognize it for the gift of God that it is. Because in so doing, you are exercising stewardship. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about caring for creation, which comes uh, in large part from this same text that we just read. And I would argue that in that text, in the same way we care for our bodies, and the word that we generally, unfortunately, translate as far as creation goes, to have dominion, actually is a gardening term that means to tend, which gives a very different outcome, right? If you have dominion over something, it's there to be used up. If you are a gardener and you're tending something, you are there to make it flourish. And I would argue that God gives us our bodies and we're to tend to them. Be kind to yourself, both mentally and uh, physically. You know, self-talk. Be nice to yourself when you talk about your body, you know. I mean, if there's some remodeling that needs to take place, well, fine, but don't beat yourself up about it. Just get to it. Feed it well. Give it healthy food. Move it. This is how you care for your body. The third body practice that I want to talk about is using your body to serve God and neighbor. Right? Part of the reason I believe that God gave us hands and feet and bodies is to love one another well. We do that by you know, meeting together, by loving our families and our friends, by expressing uh, our love physically, by hugs. And have we ever had a time, uh, well, we haven't, where we've missed that more? Even those of us who maybe aren't the most touchy-feely of people, by the end of this season are ready to experience the hug of a friend or the handshake of a friend or just physically being together and being able to see one another face to face. Use your body to serve God and neighbor to the very best of your ability. Whether that means carrying your neighbor's burdens, bringing them food, whatever it might be, you know an opportunity when it presents itself. Use your body to care for and love your neighbor. And then the final one, number four, I would say, Refer to number one. (laughs) Give thanks for your body. Have gratitude for the beautiful gift from God that it is. No matter what its condition is, no matter the challenges that you face, whatever it might be, you are given your body as a gift. Receive it with joy. Love it well and use it to serve God and neighbor. Amen.